Christmas is such a wonderful time of the year. Um, it must be especially wonderful, I was thinking this the other day, it must be especially wonderful for parents who are expecting a child. Because the whole season is really centers around a baby. And I thought about parents who are expecting, and I do know a few parents who are expecting, good friends of ours who are exper- expecting, in fact, a couple of our staff families, they're expecting and really exciting. And uh, so anyhow, I got sort of thinking about baby things, um, especially the naming of a baby, the naming of a baby. You know that some names are illegal in certain countries? Let me give you some examples. Um, New Zealand is probably the king of illegal baby names because they release a list of banned baby names every year. Every year they say, you can't name your baby these things. Um, Denmark goes on the positive where they list, uh, make a list of 7,000 acceptable baby names. So they sort of say, please pick one of these. <laughs> That's how they try to stop people from uh, giving their, their uh, children the wrong names. But let me give you a list of some of the names that are banned worldwide. New Zealand, um, you can't call your kid V8. <laughs> or if you have twins, you can't call them fish and chips. <laughs> or the little girl who was going to be named Tulula does the hula from Hawaii. Anyhow, New Zealand shut all those down. But this is what they did accept. They accepted number 16 bus shelter as an acceptable baby name. Or midnight Chardonnay. That one's sort of nice. How about in Sweden? Sweden didn't allow Metallica as a baby name. Or Superman. Or Ikea. Let me, let me show you a name that some parents who are protesting the government's intervention in their lives, they tried to use this name for their baby. Can I show you that? Can we get that slide up there? This is an actual submission for their child's name. And when asked, how do you pronounce it? They said, Albin. <laughs> it's clearly Albin. Anyhow, they were not allowed to use this as their baby's name. But... In Sweden, you can use Google as a baby name, or Lego, or Budweiser. In Germany, Osama bin Laden and WikiLeaks are not acceptable baby names, but you can use Legolas or Nemo. In Mexico, Yahoo is not acceptable as a baby name. I mean, every town in every country has a few Yahoos, but maybe it's more of a title that you earn instead of a, a name to be given. Anyone have any yahoos in their family tree? <laughs> Anyone sitting with some of those yahoos? Okay. I'm worried my family will point at me. In Quebec, Canada, you can't call your child spatula. Not in English or in French. It's not allowed. In Malaysia, you can't call your kid chow tau. Now you think, that's no big, what's, well, it means smelly head. Smelly head. So if your family get-together doesn't work out tonight, just start calling people chow tow and it'll really go crazy. Some names are growing in popularity. Not only are some names illegal, but some names are growing in popularity, some are shrinking, that's always happening. Has anyone ever encountered uh, or used the website babynamewizard.com? Anyone? Anyone? Found that one? Okay, we're going to introduce you to... Okay, one. We're going to introduce you to that website tonight. Okay, babywizard.com has a cool... Um, little, can we bring that up? It has a cool little um, calculator on there that will show you the popularity of a baby names through the century. So, somebody give me your name. 
sorry, Joya. Oh, that, that's going to be a rare one, so it might not show up. But it's J-O-Y-A. Let's see if we get that one in. Sorry, Joya is not ranked in the top 1,000 in any time period. You are very unique. Give me another. Sorry, right down here. I'm going to get this one. What's your name? Bodie. B-O-D-I-E? B-O-D-H-I. Can we do I-E just so we might get a few more hits? Okay, let's try that one. B-O-D. Oh, not quite there. Someone give me super common. You guys are unique. Aren't you happy? Okay, wait. I heard Owen. Owen? Is there an Owen in the house? Owen. Do we get, what do we get for Owen? Oh, there we go. Okay, so stop here. Owen was not super popular until just recently it went off the charts. Okay? Another pop, common name. Oh, hey, what's what the name over here? Sorry? I can't hear. Lachlan. How do you spell it? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I don't think I can redo it. <laughs> Michael. Let's pick Michael. I'm sorry, Lachlan. Your name is awesome. I wish I had that name. Michael. Let's pick Michael. I think it's A-E, but... Okay, so Michael was huge right in probably that's about the 60s, 70s, and 80s. And it's, still, it's been one of the most popular names throughout the last 100 years. But it is in decline. Okay, maybe just a couple more. We haven't had any women. This okay, whoa, whoa. I need a girl's name. We haven't had any. Sharon, Sharon. Okay, Sharon. Let's try Sharon. How many Sharons are here? Okay. Oh, there's no Sharons? Or did you not hit return? No Sharons? I can't imagine that's not working. Oh, it might be our internet connection is stopped. Oh, WikiLeaks. Okay. <laughs> Try Mary. One more try. We'll see if this, we might have frozen up the internet here. Oh, okay. Mary was super popular. It's time for a revival to that name, obviously. Anyhow, you can play with us at home, babynamewizard.com. But some names are increasing, some are decreasing. My name is Steve. Do you know any little Steves? There's not as many as there were in the 1980s, I can tell you that. Steve has super declined. Can we get, oh, there we go, Steve. Look, it's in a total decline. It's like, don't buy stock in Steve, you know? Um, but just wait, just wait, because the generation that's growing up is going to soon name their kids after video game characters, and in 2030, I predict Minecraft Steve is going to be the most popular boy's name. <laughs> okay, you're thinking about it, I know. My wife's name is an interesting name. Her name is Marnie. Put Marnie in there. See if it shows up. Wow. That's the late 60s to the early 80s, people. There's a window. So when I married my wife, I loved her name. Well, it's attached to her. How could I not love it? So Marnie was a great name to me. And I asked her, how did you get that name? And she said, my parents gave it to me, but it was based on a movie they saw, I think. Immediately, I thought of a plan. If I could find that movie, and then one night say, let's sit down and watch the movie 
upon which your beautiful name comes into existence. I thought I would earn a ton of husband points if I could do that. I thought, so I went searching and I found this movie and I got it and I, I brought it home and we were going to just, you know, put her into the DVD player and watch it. And it was just about that point that I noticed that the director of the movie was a gentleman by the name of Alfred Hitchcock. And I thought, this might not go as well as I thought, but ah, you know, it's, I, anyhow, I'm, I'm too far in now. So I just said, hey, let's watch this movie upon which your name has, is made. This is where you got your name. Your parents saw this movie, and then they decided to name you such a beautiful name, and we put it in. At the end of the movie, all my hopes were dashed of getting any points whatsoever. The lady whose name was Marnie, well, she was a very troubled lady, <laughs> and uh, good thing Sean Connery was there to help her. But, but other than that, it was, a, it was a problem. She got on the phone with her parents, and she said, why did you name me? Why did you name me? Her parents are here, right in the front row. We just want to say, hey, you want to give them a big welcome here? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the thing preachers get to do to their in-laws is awesome. Anyhow, she said, why did you name me? after this person. And you know what? They had the best response. They said, we don't remember the movie. We just remember we liked the name. So tonight, several of you parents will get asked because of this, what we did here, why you named your kid what you named them. That's the best response you could do. You should memorize it right now. We don't remember. We just like your name. Okay? Use that tonight. So what about the baby that this is all about? What about the naming of the baby that this season is about? Let me read to you a little section of the Bible in Matthew chapter 1 that talks about the naming of this baby. It says, this is how, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had it in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because... He will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Now, when you first read this, you might notice, obviously, that two names are given to this baby, Jesus and Emmanuel. But you see at the end of the, what we read that they called him Jesus. They didn't name him Emmanuel. They named him Jesus. Just wondering about that. Why did they call him Jesus and not Emmanuel? Well, we, we see these two meanings are here. Jesus, uh, the name Jesus talks about saving the peop saving people from their sins. But the manual talks about something different. And my proposal to you today is that these two names were given for two different purposes. I think Jesus, the name Jesus, is m amazing and wonderful and off-said name in our culture. 
I think it was a name that really spoke to, initially to Mary and Joseph about what their son's purpose in life was. He's here to save his people from their sins. But I think Emmanuel was not necessarily a, a name for expectant parents to use with their child, but it was more a name for expectant humanity that we would proclaim. I think it's a name for us to use. And often we don't use it. Often at Christmas time it comes out in songs. We sang about that already today. We use that name. But just this simple idea that God is with us. God is with us. So let me just talk about the two names. First, Jesus. He's come to save his people from their sins. Today I was doing errands. I was just driving around last minute. I wasn't actually shopping. Just let you know that. I had my gifts in the bank already done. They're under the tree. But as I was driving around, I was listening to a podcast, and it, or not a podcast, a radio show, and the radio show was all these futurists. They were talking about the future, the future, all these different projections on what the future would be like. And I, I was quite fascinated by all their different takes. The one, though, that really got my attention, maybe not for the best reasons, was that this one guy was just talking about how the future will be based on self-interest. That was boiling down a lot of what he said to his main point. The future will be based on self-interest. The way that humanity will thrive and do well is that our mutual self-interest will propel us forward. The fact that each person is really looking out for their own benefit will, be, will lead to human flourishing. I mean, I recoiled when I heard that. I sort of went, whoa. I mean... I've tried self-interest, personally. <laughs> I don't know if you've tried it. But when I get really just looking out for myself, I sort of get tunnel vision. When I get really thinking about my needs and nobody else's needs, well, self-interest, that leads to whole sorts of problems. And I got thinking about this guy's hypothesis that self-interest would take us into the future. I thought, why would something that doesn't work on small scale work on a big scale? Why would greed and self-focus and fear and self-protection be better than trust and love and faith and hope? I hope that when you open your presence, whether that's tonight for the early crowd or tomorrow for the other crowd, that that is not a moment full of self-interest. I hope that that's a moment full of interest in others. I hope when someone opens a present in the space where you're in and it's for them, that your thought is not, why didn't I get that present? But you're actually, there's joy in your heart because they got something that makes them happy or that they long to have or that surprised them and delighted them or made them laugh. I wish for you not a Christmas of self-interest. I wish for you a Christmas that's focused on others. And this is the heart of what the name Jesus means. He came to save people from their sins. Well, what is sin? Sin is when you make the whole world about yourself. You put yourself as the center of everything and everything else is just revolving around you. And I do that. And I've tried that. 
And I fight that. You probably do too. Maybe you'll even fight it this weekend in the Christmas season. Maybe there'll be moments where you say, I'm feeling this well up within me, this self-pity, this self-focus, this, this desire for just myself, and yet I think my heart is supposed to beat for other people too. And you'll push back. I know. I think it's within us. This war to focus on others before ourselves versus just focusing on ourselves. Jesus came to, to defeat sin in our lives, to save us from our sin. He knew that self-interest, self-focus, making the world about ourselves would not lead to a better world. It would not lead to a happier existence. It would lead to misery. It would lead to fights. It would lead to arguments. It would lead to division, and it would lead to war. So he came to defeat that power in our lives. He came to defeat that, that thing that we experience when we get really focused on ourselves, when we really make the world about ourselves. He came to change that within us. He came to save us from our sins. And not just the, pres- not just the power of sin, not just that welling up desire to be uh, only for ourselves, also from the penalty of that. See, God is a self-giving God. He gives of himself. And the Bible tells us that we've gone our own way. That humanity as a whole has gone their own way. They, they said, you know, I'm going to live for myself. I'm not going to live God's way. I'm going to live for my own way. And he said, and, and the name Jesus indicates that Jesus, that The baby was born to save us from that, from the separation from God and his ways, from the turmoil that's caused by sin in our lives. But what about the second name? What about the second name? Emmanuel, God with us. I think lots of people wonder whether God is with them. God, are you there? God, do you hear? God, do you know my fears, my hurts, my pain? The Bible is riddled with people who come to this realization that God is with them and it explodes on their consciousness in in awe and wonder and worship. One of my favorites is the guy who wrote the, the, the song lyrics in the middle of the Bible. If you own a Bible, just go right to the middle. And you'll find the biggest chunk of the Bible has this label called Psalms. It's just song. It's ancient songs. You can read the lyrics. There's no notes, so you don't know how it sounded, but you can read the lyrics of all these 150 different songs. And one of the guys who wrote a big chunk of those songs was a guy named David. He said things like, what is man that you are mindful of him? He'd look at the stars. He'd look at the heavens and he'd say, you're with us? You care about us? We're so small. We're so insignificant. We're just like tiny little pinpricks in the universe. Some people think of that and think, oh, there can't be a God. David thought of that and he worshiped. What is God or what is man that you are mindful of? Of me. God with us, it's an astounding concept. For many people, it's led them to joy, ecstatic joy. 
to realize that they are not forsaken, they are not alone. There is one who never leaves them nor forsakes them. But when we ask the question, God is with us, there's another question that needs to be asked. And that is, is God for us? Is God for us? If he's with us, well, that's one thing. We are known. We're not forgotten. But is he for us? Is God on our side? And I think that's, that's a question that's answer has already come. I think there's another question, but we'll get to that in a second. But the first question, I think, has already been answered abundantly. The Bible tells us that while we are still sinners, while our focus was still on ourselves, while we're still making the whole world about ourselves, that Christ died for us. Of course, this story isn't just about a baby. It's a story that the baby bursts into the story, but it leads to a whole other thing. And is that baby who's going to live? Jesus obeyed his father. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes on him will not perish but have everlasting life. So this baby was a love gift to humanity. And it wasn't just the baby itself, but the, the baby grew into a man who obeyed his father perfectly, lived a sinless life, and became a perfect sacrifice for the sins of the world. Your sins, my sins, everyone. Everything that could come between us and God. Whether you're thinking of something tiny, that maybe God doesn't like that, or you're thinking about that one horrendous secret that you wonder could be forgiven. God made a plan for that to be dealt with through Jesus. That he would take the guilt and shame of that very thing on himself. He'd pay a penalty that we could never pay so that we could be one with him. So God is with us. And then God demonstrates his love for us. And then the response is still hanging in the air. It's like this time of year, you might have noticed it a little bit more than the rest of the times of the year, that your mailbox has many opportunities for you to sign up for a credit card. You notice that? This time of year, they just know we're spending money. And so you get that in the mail and you go, oh, I could also have a credit card with these guys. I may not be able to pay the one I have, but look, they're offering me more credit. Right? You've seen that commercial where all the toys in the toy shop go, dead, 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 dead. <laughs> the thing about it is nothing happens if you don't respond. I just take those, usually rip them, throw them in the garbage. But nothing happens in, unless you respond. They might even send you a credit card in the mail, but unless you activate it, nothing happens. It's a little bit about, that's a little bit of like, God's plan that he set in place with the baby. He puts this whole thing into motion to take our guilt, to take our shame, to restore us into relationship with himself, and yet nothing happens if you don't activate it. All the good that God has stored up in heaven for each one of our lives doesn't happen if we ignore or reject his offer. 
Then you say, well, credit card, that sounds like it's a bad deal. So is God's thing a bad deal? Let me give you a different illustration. Years ago, there was a night where I whisked my fiance up on top of a ski tower in Calgary so we could see the lights of the city. I produced tokens of my love and the first movie we went to and, and, uh, and, and a chocolate bar that was a favorite. And then I got down on one knee and I pulled out a ring. And I asked her that question, would you marry me? Now normally when we ask questions and there's answers, we don't get too anxious about the pause in between. But there's something about that question, especially since they can say no. That makes that pause seem like an eternity. And so the question's hanging in the air. You've, ex- you've made it clear, absolutely clear. I love you. I want to be in relationship with you. I believe that our future could be great together. And what if my fiance had said, nothing? Sort of sat down and pontificated for minutes. Went for a walk to think about it for hours. Took a trip back to her mom's place to spend a week. Didn't hear from her for months. I'm still waiting years later. It's like the offer that God gives to us. He comes to us and he says, I'm going to show you how much I love you. I'm going to show that through the baby who grows up to be a sacrifice for each one. And in that, I'm speaking as message as loud as can be heard that I desire good for your future. I'll be there with you. I'll never leave you, forsake you. I will guide you. I will, I will lead you. I'll, I'll help you. Whatever you've done that you think can never be forgiven, I'll forgive. Whatever problem you think you can't ever get help with, I'll help you with. I have blessings stored up in, for, in heaven for you that you can't even think about, you can't even imagine, you couldn't even ask for it because you don't know how great it is. And the question hangs in the air, waiting for the response. God with us, God loves us, and God waits for us to respond to him. I can't think of a better time of the year for someone to make that response to God. He's laid his cards on the table. He's made his intentions clear. He desires to lead us. He desires to forgive us. He desires to walk with us the rest of the way. And yet we've been given this powerful thing called free will to accept or reject to activate that offer or to just let it go. For me and my family, I, we, look back, we, we, we look back to the moments where God really came into our family tree. 
We treasure them, we value them. I tell the stories again and again, how God found my dad in his 20s in a stock room in a department store in Vancouver through another friend who just came along and just started talking to him about Jesus. And he gave his life to Jesus and how that changed the whole direction of our family tree for the good. And how in a little, a little uh, out-of-the-way place at a little tiny meeting in Weyburn, Saskatchewan, my father-in-law, God found him. And he invaded my in-law family tree probably in about his 30s. God just totally invaded that family and that whole family that night they finally said yes to the offer that God extends. And that changed their family tree for the good. And maybe tonight, maybe tonight for you, you'd say, God, I receive what you've offered to me. I desire what you want for me. I say yes. I say yes. I know some people, they wait and wait and wait, and they just wonder when the right timing is. Hey, the timing is now. If God's sent out his invitation, you can respond. So what I want to do, we're going we're gonna to sing, and we're going to light candles, and we have a few more things we're going to do together. But I'd love to just give you an opportunity to respond to God. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray. I'm just going to talk to God. And if this is something that you want... You can repeat that. You don't have to repeat it out loud. Repeat it under your breath. Repeat it in your heart. It's okay. God knows exactly where you're at, and he'll respond to the authenticity of your response to him. But let's, let's just bow our heads. We'll close our eyes, and let's just allow God to use this moment. Again, I'm going to pray just an example prayer for you, but if this is your desire, I, I ask you to pray it too. Lord Jesus, thank you that you love me. Thank you for your willingness to to obey the Father and to follow through on the Father's plan to bring us into relationship with you. Thank you for humbling yourself, setting aside your majesty and your, your godliness or your God... Uh, all powerfulness to become a baby to become helpless and thank you that you lived a perfect life so that you could be that perfect sacrifice to take on yourself all the things that I have done thank you your mercy and grace is so huge that everything I can think of that I've ever done is smaller than the magnitude of your forgiveness. And so today I ask for that forgiveness to be applied to my life. I receive your forgiveness. I receive from you something I didn't earn. And in response, I'm grateful and thankful that you want to be in relationship with me. So lead me. Guide me. Help me, heal me, restore me. Help me to take those very first steps of relationship with you and to grow in that relationship as the years go. Thank you that you would call me 
to follow you. And you provide the way for it to happen through Jesus. In your name, amen. Hey, tonight, if you've said yes to God in this very particular way of uh, asking for his forgiveness and leadership in your life, I'd really encourage you to, if you, maybe you came with somebody who knows some more about that, ask them a bit more. Tell them about the decision you made. If you didn't come here with somebody that you know you can do that with, you can catch me afterwards or, or any of the worship team. Maybe you know one of them. But catch us afterwards and just let us know what you've done because we'd love to encourage you in some next steps. Okay?